0: Welcome to the Level Up with GNO Realty Podcast, your number one source for information on buying, selling, and investing in real estate in the greater New Orleans area. Now, here are your hosts, Braden Smith and Chuck Stahl.
1: Hey, how's everyone doing? Welcome to Episode 2 of the Level Up Podcast with GNO Realty. We are back at it again. Here's Chuck Stahl, and I'm Braden Smith, and today we're going to be following up on the previous episode, which was uh, talking about how to buy a house, and we went through a few different things, such as um, getting pre-approved and why it's important to get, a, uh, get p- important to get pre-approved, and talking about how interest rates are really low right now, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, we talked about the pre-approval process, knowing like the realm of where to buy. Where do we even start shopping? Knowing your price range um, and that interest rates right now are at such an all time low that it is conducive for buyers. But in a seller's market with inventory being low and interest rates being low, we've seen some things start to tick back up, which we'll dive into a little bit later.
1: Yeah, as we talked about last time, we're basically in a situation with the current market where we have an oversupply of buyers and an undersupply of listings. So it's a highly competitive market for buyers, which takes a little bit more uh, due diligence on the buyer's part to be ready to buy a house. Um, So there's a few things that we can talk about today where the number of homes for sale that we went over last time keeps dwindling. The days on market keeps shrinking. Uh, The supply of homes for sale continues to shrink. And the sales price related to list price is continuing to increase uh, along with days on market is continuing to decrease as well.
0: And you're saying that that's been expected to go on all year. We know interest rates, though they may shift a little bit, they're not going to shoot back up to over 4 or 5% as we've seen in the past. And uh, as we talk about the homes for sale, we haven't seen homes for sale around this 4,000 uh, range in the New Orleans metropolitan The New Orleans metropolitan area, since around 2007, and that's when things were starting to bounce back, homes were being gutted and rebuilt post-Katrina, and you were starting to see that that very large cliff that shot back up in that 2008-2009 range. Uh, As I look here at the numbers again, the median days on market, because inventory is so low, people are having multiple offers in hand early, and, I mean, you're seeing under well under 30 days, uh
1: yeah i think the last i saw as far as days on market goes we were i think at maybe 24 days on market is what it's running right now and that was everything that
0: was i think that was townhomes and everything yeah it
1: may have been it's very very low we're definitely at the lowest levels of supply we've seen in well over a decade the days on market is the lowest it's been in well over a decade as well and that that median percent of list price where Homes are selling, running, what, basically 99% of list price or so?
0: You are getting what you're asking for right now. I mean, and it's it's a, a question of, are things being priced so appropriately, or is it just such an aggressive market that is, hey, name your price right now, and it's going to be the right one?
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, the, the current market situations are causing prices to continue to increase, and a lot of it's just due to the competitive nature of the market.
0: So... Uh, The median percent of list price, you said, is nearing 99%, almost at 100%, as we've seen before. We haven't seen this high since uh, around 2006. So we're talking about a 15-year high in percentage of median price to list price. Um, Month supply of homes for sale, it's not the lowest it's been in my lifetime but this is the first statistics where as far back as the stats travel the month supply is as low as it's been since around the 2007 uh area and again remember most of those homes were destroyed
1: yeah yeah i actually just looked at the months of supply again today as i was talking to a client of mine and it's right at 2.8 i think for single family homes right now which is ridiculously low
0: so, and just to explain to the folks at home, the month supply is if things are going the way they are with the amount of houses for sale and the amount of people buying homes, that's how much time until we would be extinguished, right? Of of Correct. homes. Correct. So,
1: so we're hoping to uh, we're hoping to see some more inventory coming to market soon, and I think there's a couple of different factors that that may help
0: that. Uh, there's a rollout of all the vaccines. We've had two that have been approved. And I saw today that a third one, and I am absolutely blanking on the company, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, but a one a one shot vaccine that. getting approved today, so things are are starting to clear up. You're seeing numbers in Louisiana; they're going down, hospitalizations are going down, deaths are going down. Some some light is at the end of this tunnel, this COVID 19 tunnel. And, and perhaps we'll start to see some normalcy and a little bit of opening back up of inventory.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think I mentioned last time that, you know, I've talked to a number of, of older people, senior citizens, the, the high-risk population that have been very hesitant or unwilling, just completely unwilling to put their properties on the market right now. Even though they do have a desire to sell, they just, they don't want a bunch of random people traipsing in and out of their house in fear of them potentially bringing the, the uh, virus in their house.
0: And the elderly just being one portion of that at-risk population that people could be exposed. I mean, you have cancer patients, you have people with autoimmune disorders. There's a lot of things that factor in. It paints a large brush over uh, that can affect many people and not just people within that household. This is New Orleans. I mean, our our families, we interact. I know how mine is. You know, it's one immediate family is really five or six immediate families. So
1: Yeah, we're definitely what I call a small, big city.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, things, word spreads quickly here, and so do viruses. So, We were talking them the other day, and you were saying to make sure that your agent does the due diligence on, on the sellers before the process to find out. Now, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, there are several things that you and your your agent when you're working with a buyer's agent can do and a knowledgeable buyer's agent will, will know these things already and kind of guide you in the process but some of the things you can do when you're looking to buy a home, you find a home, you know, you go look at a bunch of homes, you find one you really like, start doing some research, you know, you start use that Google, Google, social media, you can find out all kinds of information. I've had times in the past where I had buyer clients that really wanted a house that they found it. this is the one we want this house and so we started doing a little googling looking on social media and lo and behold we find basically the seller's motivation as to why they're selling they they put it on blast out there to social media like you know we're moving to indiana or something and we got to be gone by this date well now we got them
0: right congratulations everybody <laughs> hope you're enjoying it you know you'll or you guys will be there by spring um, LinkedIn yeah. seems to be a great place for that too, where you can see people looking for jobs in certain areas, being specific, you can yeah. find the, those people.
1: Yeah, basically what you want to look for there is, you know, it may sound a little bit stalkerish, but you know, what you're looking for is basically, you're looking for two things, timing and motivation. What is the seller's motivation for selling and what kind of timeline are they looking at? Because you can use those two things in crafting your offers to basically give the seller what they want. Uh, as opposed to other buyers that are really focusing their offers on what they want to need and not what the seller wants to need. And so if you can make your offer match the seller's wants and needs as close as possible, it's much more likely to get accepted.
0: So would something like a closing date, a specific closing date, be something where you could be more flexible in, in favor of the seller to make your offer seem more appealing? For instance, they may not need to move right away and housing would be an issue for a period of time if they could delay the closing that might make that offer more intriguing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you can find out a little bit of information about the seller's timeline, and part of that's just your buyer's agent calling the listing agent and talking to them and trying to pry any bit of information they can get from the listing agent as far as the seller's timing and motivation so that you can craft that that offer that best matches it. Now, a good listing agent, is not gonna give up that information very readily. You know, when I have someone, I'm the listing agent and someone calls me asking a lot of questions, you know, I I beat around the bush quite a bit and I don't wanna give up my negotiating position for my sellers, but there are plenty of agents out there that when they're asked questions, they just answer them. And if you are a good buyer's agent, you're gonna ask all the questions you possibly can and see what answers you can get from that listing agent.
0: About waiving contingencies, we talked about uh, waiving certain things, like perhaps a, a financing contingency. What are some other contingencies you might waive, or amend, or change? Is there are there some ways we can get flexible there?
1: There's definitely some things you can do. You know, in a competitive market, especially if you're in a multiple offer situation, the kind of general rule of thumb is that the cleanest, the cleanest offer wins. And when I say clean offer, it's going to be the one with the least number of contingencies for the seller. Um, and I'm sure that you've heard before in the past, a lot of people talk about waiving inspections, which I think we touched on last time, but I highly advise against that. You need to do an inspection or you don't know what you're getting. And you could end up, you know, buying a lemon. And because you didn't do inspections, you don't know all the problems that are there. A lot of problems in homes can be hidden problems. You know, they're, they're things that you wouldn't see on a casual showing.
0: And, and inspection reports right now are so high tech almost immediately from your inspector. Um, one of the ones we used the other day, uh, I'll go ahead and give him a shout out, House Call. We got a full report with video, picture, immediately. It, it had the prioritized number of things that needed to get recti- rectified. It had recommendations for specific inspectors, maybe somebody more certified, such as you know electricians, plumbers, roofers, whoever might need to take a deeper uh, look into a repair before you start impa- uh, preparing that inspection response. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and they, they've got some high-tech tools as well where you know they can check the AC system, the heat system to make sure they're operating within the proper ranges that they're supposed to operate. They've got machines where they can check the level of the foundation of the house to make sure that there's not a big differential, which, by the way, in our market in New Orleans, pretty much every house is gonna have somewhat of a differential to its foundation. Um, you know, I've heard some inspectors say that up to a three or four inch differential is considered commonplace in the New Orleans area. You know, everything sinks around here. So our foundations do move a little bit more than other parts of the country, where in some, some markets it may be a half inch to an inch is considered acceptable. But here we get a little bit more leeway with that.
0: Don't bring a marble to a home inspection in New Orleans. You're going to be very disappointed <laughs> or you're going to have a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> it,
1: it's most likely going to roll. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So... um. What about some other ways to be creative? Now, we don't want to waive the inspection period. We talked about that last week, actually prompted me to make a little video that I want to put out, letting people know the importance of this inspection period. But, you know, are there other ways you can get creative with inspections?
1: You can. You can shorten your inspection period, which in, in the New Orleans market, the customary time frame for an inspection period is usually 10 to 15 days, somewhere in that range. Um, So you can shorten that inspection period up to kind of entice the seller to accept your offer over another offer. However, that can be difficult to do when the market is as competitive as, as it is right now with as many homes that are selling because a lot of our inspectors out there are rather busy right now and it may take 3 or 4 days to get this inspector scheduled and out to the house if not 5 or 6 days you know so if you go too short on the inspection period you you may not be able to get an inspector out there in time
0: it's tough especially if you need to get a second look at something right now with people it's there's a lot of construction going on there's or I should say there's a lot of construction repair going on so getting these service companies out to come take a look when their schedules are packed in that timely manner is very tough and it makes your bargaining power uh, a little bit weaker.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was working with a buyer client where we went through our inspections and then it was one of those situations where the inspector said, you know, you need to take this a little bit further and get a licensed plumber out here to look at a situation we had with the plumbing and I called up my regular guy that I use for plumbing uh, situations and he was like, man, I'm at least a week out right now to even come look at anything.
0: I've had the same thing. And friends, you know, people that I know, I can pick up the phone and call and they, you know, guys go all the way back to high school and they're they're telling me their, their schedules are packed right now. So buyers, keep that in mind when you're crafting offers, when you're thinking about getting creative with the inspection period, know that you are you're giving yourself a not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to getting those secondary inspections done yeah
1: and i think the most important thing to keep in mind with the with the time frame for the inspection period is like you said if you have to get a secondary inspection beyond the general home inspection you need more time for that so if you shorten your inspection period to say 7 days rather than 14 days and it takes three or four days to get the inspector out there and now you need a secondary inspection so that now you gotta schedule another time to get somebody out there, you may not have enough time And you can't ask the seller for an extension on your inspection period.
0: Do they usually do that?
1: They will, but now you're, I mean, it depends. They they may give you an an extension on your inspection period, but now you've already created a situation where now you're asking for more things from the seller. So if there's issues and problems you found during the inspection period, and then now you want to ask them for money off the sales price or for a repair credit, you're asking for more things. And the more things you ask, the less likely the sale is going to go
0: well. Understood. Well, you were talking about um, making the deposit non-refundable when we were talking off-air. Now, explain it to the average listener who doesn't understand that. Well, a deposit, I lose a deposit when something you know, expires anyway. That's not so much the case in a general Louisiana real estate contract. Go yeah. ahead and elaborate on that.
1: Yeah, your deposit basically serves a couple of purposes. And for one, it's kind of a good faith gesture to the seller saying, hey, look, I'm serious about buying this house. I'm willing to put up x amount of dollars to show you that i'm serious now that deposit is going to go typically to the uh the title company and it's going to go into an escrow account it'll be held to the day of closing so it's not additional money you're paying on top of the purchase price Um, but it's a good faith gesture to the seller and it's also going to get the title company started on working that file now if they have a deposit on file they're going to start working that file you know and, and as we talked about before you can increase the deposit to show that you're more serious than the next guy you know typically we put up in our market it's standard practice to put up about one percent of the purchase price as your uh deposit so if you push that to two or three percent and the other guy only put up one percent now it looks to the seller hey this guy's serious he put up this guy wants to put up a thousand dollar deposit he's putting up five thousand you know so it looks better to the seller um, now, waiving the deposit, or, or not waiving the deposit, but making it non-refundable. If you're really serious about that house, like you just know in your heart that this is the and house that's going to pass
0: inspections. I mean, you're basically yeah. waiving your inspection contingency there, right?
1: Yeah, because I mean, you wouldn't be able to cancel the uh, the the contract at that point and get your deposit back. If you cancel inside of the inspection period, you're going to get your deposit back. But if you make the deposit non-refundable, well, then you're not getting the deposit back even if you cancel the inspection period. Now, kind of a workaround for that is you can make the deposit non-refundable after the inspection period, which I actually just negotiated one of my listings where I made the buyer do that. Um, I've made them, if we accept this offer because the offer was a little bit lower than my seller wanted, if we accept this offer, I made them up their deposit and said, after inspections, that deposit becomes non-refundable. And they did it, and they actually didn't pull through on their end of the deal and close the sale, so now my seller gets to keep that deposit.
0: So, wow. So, say something like an appraisal fell through or their financing fell through, that he would be able to keep that money with the way that that was structured.
1: Yeah, with the deposit being non-refundable the way we wrote it after inspection period, no matter what, they get to keep the, 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 um, the deposit. And the problem with that particular offer was we just weren't that confident in the offer to begin with. Um, the buyers were being a little flaky on us. And so that's why we asked them to do that. All right, we'll take your offer because we had other offers we were looking at too, but they said they were serious about it. And we said, well, we'll take your offer, but you're going to put up a non-refundable deposit if we're going to accept that, that offer amount.
0: See, this is why you need a crafty agent, folks. This is why we want you to call GNO Realty. Um, well, let's talk about multiple offer situations because my very first listing that I ever had, and I know they're not all like this, but within 24 hours, we had multiple offers in hand over asking price. And that was indicative of where the, this is a couple of months ago. This is kind of like peak of where the market was uh, for sellers. But talk about some ways that people can be creative knowing they're going to be in multiple offer situations more than likely, especially with a hot property that comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's become pretty commonplace now to deal with multiple offers, especially on the, the hotter neighborhoods, hotter properties. And so there's a couple of different things you can do in that multiple offer situation on the buyer's side to try to strengthen your offer. And one of them is using what's called an escalation clause. Um, they're not very common in our market. They're more common in some other markets, but they're perfectly legal to do. Uh, and it's basically you're going to put a clause in your offer that says in the event that a higher offer comes in, when you think there's multiple offers coming, this would be before you're under contract. But if you think there's a higher offer coming in, you can say, Hey, look, I'm willing to go X amount over the next highest offer up to a predetermined cap or max. Um,
0: if anybody who's ever used eBay, setting your right, max bid, yeah. it's really the same scenario if you've done any kind of uh if you've ever been to an auction or done any kind of online bidding. It's basically like setting your max bid and letting them know the increments right in which you will climb to be the next bid.
1: Yeah. It works pretty much just like, like you said, like eBay. Um, and it's just a simple clause you can put in the additional terms and conditions on the standard
0: purchase agreement. So outstanding. Um, you know, we
1: skipped over a couple of things here. Um, one thing we wanted to talk about too, when you're crafting those offers, is letting the seller pick the closing date. If you're not in a hurry to move, you know, if you don't have a certain date you need to be out of another place by or this or that, if there's some way you can work it where you can say, Hey, look, seller, you can pick the closing date. If you want me to close in 30 days or it needs to be 45 or it needs to be 60, whatever you need, I'll work with you on that date. And that can, that can go a long way with a
0: seller for sure. Um, so we talked about letting sellers pick closing dates just to recap. Uh, making the deposit non-refundable in certain scenarios, making sure it's after that inspection period. That's what we really highly recommend. Um, you can shorten the inspection period, make sure not to eliminate it altogether. Uh, you can increase your deposit, not necessarily overall price, but you your deposit, um, cash offers, not really what they used to be people People said that, you know, well what if I have an all cash offer? Do you can why is that cash offers aren't as great as they used to be?
1: They still hold some weight, just as not not as much weight as they used to, I guess you would say. You know, the old saying cash is king, I mean, that still rings true to a certain extent, but the the availability of funding, that the ease of, of getting a loan right now makes cash less important. You know, interest rates are super low, the the um the rules and regulations with getting approved for financing, it's really not that difficult right now. So cash just doesn't have the same weight that it used to have in those scenarios. However, it can play a factor in your offers. You know, a cash offer versus a financed offer can play a factor because, you know, with a financed offer, there's a chance that there may be some sort of hiccup in that process where the financing doesn't go through, where the buyer can't get final loan approval. There is a kind of a workaround for that too, though, and that's if you have a good lender that you're accustomed to working with as a, as a buyer's agent. This is something that, as a buyer, you can ask your buyer's agent about. You have that lender call the listing agent and tell that listing agent that that buyer is solid. Because hearing it directly from the lender makes a world of difference.
0: And I've, I've been there. And it's like, you know, people, especially on a Sunday, late on a Sunday when offers start flying in. And they're like, we don't have our pre-approval letter. But I've gotten a phone call from... You know loan officers and agents saying i can you know i can tell you you know hand to 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 god that this person is ready to go for this amount
1: yeah and i mean it's standard practice in our, in our market especially with the, the competitive nature of the current market that you're going to submit that pre-approval with any offer or a proof of funds letter if it's a cash offer but having that lender take that one little extra step and just making a phone call to the listing agent and said hey i just want to let you know I did issue that pre approval and I've already looked over all of the buyer's information. They're pretty much guaranteed to go through here because a lot of people, a lot of buyer agents in our market, honestly, they submit offers and they don't even call the listing agent. I've had it happen to me where I didn't get a text or a call or anything, I'm checking my email. Well, there's an offer it just appeared in my inbox and nobody even told me it was coming.
0: Oh, that was nice. <laughs> right. um, so, you, you know, got to check to make sure it's not spam. You're like, wait a minute, let me see the return address on this. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it, it happens more often than you would think, too. But it's actually a rare thing. You know, I deal with a, a fair amount of listings and it's a rare thing to get the lender to actually call me and, and basically back up that, that buyer client they have. It doesn't happen very often, but it definitely goes a long way.
0: That's a great tip. So, and uh, the last one we had was to make sure that we keep our our offers clean and simple. The least amount of con- the fewest amount of contingencies, uh, the simplest language, the fewer variables to make sure that we can have a clean sale because you don't you don't want to waste out of a contract. Right?
1: right, right. So the um back into the multiple offer situation, we mentioned that an escalation clause is one one trick you can use there. Um, another thing that you can do is in the, in the cash offer situation, you can waive that appraisal. Um, do you really want to do that? Depends on how bad you want the house, I guess. If you know that that is the house you want, you can waive that, uh, that appraisal. What are you
0: risking when you waive your appraisal, when you have a full cash offer?
1: You could potentially overpay for the property. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to work closely with your, with your buyer's agent to have them really look at those those comparable sales closely to help guide you into, you know, is this purchase price within reason or, or is it way out way out of the box here? Um, because you could potentially overpay. You know, the, any financed offer, the lender's going to require an appraisal because they're not going to loan more money than the house is worth. You know, so um, waiving that appraisal on a cash offer, it could be a little risky.
0: So make sure if you're going to waive that appraisal to... Take a very good look at the market stats. Should be very easy for your realtor to pull up, but know what to be looking at. Make sure that you're looking at comparables to the home you're looking to purchase, same amount of bedrooms, bathrooms, within a certain area, within a certain zip code. Make sure that they're pulling reasonable comparables, things that would be considered true comparables if you're going to be playing that risky game.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And another kind of little pro tip, I guess, if you will, is one thing a good buyer's agent can do for their clients and if. You can ask your buyer's agent to do this as well. They're going to set you up on a search based on your search criteria for the type of home you're looking for and the areas you're looking for and the price range you're looking for. Those are going to be active listings that are currently out there, active, available for purchase. Have them send you the same set of listings but sold properties in those areas you're looking for that match your search criteria so you can see what properties are actually selling for.
0: Right, not just what people are testing the market with right now and asking for, and seeing, so, you know, and that's just that's part of the nature of the beast, right? When yeah, when it absolutely. is a seller's world.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that right now, where people are kind of pushing the envelope as far as they can, you know. A their... couple
0: price reductions, you're starting to see. In, yeah. Every morning when you see the hot sheets, and you're seeing more and more price reductions show up.
1: Yeah, and you have some sellers really that they don't have a real need to move, or necessarily even a desire to move. But they're kind of testing the waters like, hey, let's put it out there and see what happens. If we can get this price, yeah, I'll sell it. But it's typically going to be a price that's too high. And they're just kind of testing the waters.
0: Hey, that's what we mean by level up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so making sure the offer is complete. Um, you were talking about that. Making sure no errors. I was talking about this with another agent. Putting these contracts together, it really is like a homework assignment when you were a kid. You know, it's a a fill-in-the-blank contract. The lawyers did the hard work. They wrote the words. Right. We fill out the terms. Mm -hmm. So making sure that your agent has everything filled out properly, the dates in properly, just making sure to put not applicable in certain boxes as opposed to leaving them blank, making sure it's a good, clean contract that can be signed without a lot of questions going back and forth saying, hey, can you have your client look at line number 156 and make sure that that is exactly the right thing?
1: Yeah, there's lots of little blanks that need to be filled out, lots of little boxes that need to be checked. And I can't tell you how many times it happens where I get just a sloppy, sloppy offer from from some of the agents. And, you know, if you're submitting a sloppy offer and then I've got one that, that's filled out to the T, all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, you know, I'm going to be more inclined to advise my seller to go with this offer because it seems like that agent has a better grasp of what they're doing than dealing with this other one.
0: Yeah. All, all offers go to the client. That's our job. We must present all offers given, but the light in which we present those offers to our clients, you know, that can vary. So well, we'll start to uh, kind of wrap up with the last uh, uh, tip that we have here. You were talking about the buyer love letter. Now tell me about the buyer love letter. Cause I love this idea.
1: It, it is something that, that can work and it, it's something that can definitely not hurt. Um, and basically a love letter would be your client, you, or you as a buyer submitting, writing a letter and submitting that letter through your agent to the actual seller of the property, explaining to them who you are and why you want that house. Um, you know, it could be some information about you and your family and, and you could even do it in a video, you know, do it in a video, text it to your agent and have them text it over to the listing agent to share with the seller. And basically it's kind of, it's a love letter about the house. It's why we love this house.
0: You know, there's something to this because the first listing I ever had, we had multiple offers in hand and one of the offers that he was seriously <laughs> considering was actually not as good with the price. It wasn't necessarily all the best terms. Now some, you know, multiple offers, lots of variables it wasn't all about price. But what I said was I said why this one? He says they want it. They want this. They're going to they're going to treat this place great. People have an attachment to their homes. It's Absolutely. not just brick and mortar, it's memories. It's where your kid took their your first steps, it's where your dog um scratched up the floor, but it doesn't matter cuz it was where you pet him and watched your TV shows and it, it's very special to us. So, that buyer's love letter Though it may sound like, it, and some people are bottom line and business minded and they just, they don't care won't be moved by that. But human beings are emotional and and they can be moved by things like that.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. And, you know, honestly, in my opinion, I think that most sales are based on emotion. You know, whether it's a purchase decision or a selling decision, there's a lot of emotion involved in that. And especially when it comes to homes, because people raise their families there. They start they're alive. They get married. They buy their first home. They're starting a life there. They have kids. They raise kids. They have dogs. There's you know, years, if not decades, of, of memories and attachment to that property. So there's a lot of sellers out there that they want to know that the person buying their home or the family buying
0: their home is going to treat that home like a home. Is it weird? Do you think of chapters in your life of like houses you've lived in, or like, but like, oh, that was when I lived on Lake Avenue. That was when I lived yeah. on this street. I think it's we like, all
1: tell stories that way. You yeah. Know, back when I used to live over here, I used to live on this street, you know, and it's, yeah, like you said, it's different chapters of your life that are attached to these particular houses.
0: It's funny how that works out.
1: So as we mentioned before, we, we're doing a neighborhood video series here at GNO Realty. Um, where all of the agents are going to be involved in some of the different videos, we're basically going to be going around town showcasing some of the neighborhoods in New Orleans, in and throughout New Orleans, and officially New Orleans has 73 named neighborhoods, and so we're, we're not going to do all 73 because that's a lot and that would take a while but we're definitely gonna hit some of the hot spots. We're gonna to try to incorporate some of the local business owners in each neighborhood, showcase some of the local businesses and a variety of different types of businesses. And if those business owners wanna get involved in the video, we're happy to have them in the video. So if you or anyone you know, owns a local business, and they want to get involved, we're we're happy to have them. It's basically free marketing for them. We're going to be putting it out all over social media. We'll tag the business everywhere we can and get them some exposure, and it gets us some exposure. It's a win-win.
0: Come let us bring our camera into your place of business. I mean, it could be restaurants, gyms, uh, little shops, retail places, boutiques, whatever you are, we really want you to be involved. We're a part of the community. We want to work with you guys. We want to work together, and we want to spread the word of all the great things that are going on in these different neighborhoods to make people want to stay here in our local Greater New Orleans community.
1: Yeah, we've put out a couple of uh, kind of teaser videos so far about the neighborhood video series, a teaser video about Lakeview. If you go to our Facebook page, our g Realty Facebook page, you'll find the videos there that you can watch that have been posted so far. But I wanted to talk about another pro tip, um, a pro tip about when you're buying a home, something that a lot of people don't think about these days, but it's very important and that is you need to assume that you are being recorded in every house you go into, both on video and audio. Just assume it, even if you don't see any cameras, just assume that they're there and watch what you say in that house, because I guarantee you that there's a lot of homes out there that have security systems with cameras that have audio, and those sellers are going back and watching those videos after a showing and listening to them, and if you're talking about how much you love that house, you've given up a lot of your negotiating position right there without even knowing that you did it.
0: Or just saying anything that you would prefer to be in confidence. I mean, and it's not just – you know, within the house, some people walk outside and they walk right in front of that ring doorbell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? and then they start talking about a potential offer price with their agent, and it's all right there on camera. Like, yeah. you've just given away
0: everything. You have to predict, you're in an episode of The Wire, and you need to go find a pay phone 10 blocks down the street. <laughs> but almost, you know, go to a coffee shop, go to your agent's office, make sure Yeah, because uh, yeah, even you- if you're standing
1: on the sidewalk in front of the house, that doorbell camera can still pick that up and potentially pick up audio from that far away.
0: So um, make sure, make sure again to know about the security. That everything now is. We live in a James Bond world. Everything is recorded. Everything is. And they have them. lots
1: of hidden cameras now too. They have like the little uh, teddy bears that sit on a shelf that's got a camera in it. The nanny cams and yep, you know, or, or little trinkets that sit on shelves that they have little hidden cameras. Motion
0: in detectors them. setting off security. All kinds of stuff. Recording devices and. You know, it's their property. They have the right to do that. So,
1: yeah, best thing to do is just assume that every house you go into, you're being recorded, both audio and video. Watch what you say. Don't give up any negotiating position. Don't talk about potential offers. Don't talk about what you like or don't like about the house.
0: So... Well, we really appreciate everybody joining us for our second podcast. Uh, we, we've gotten some great feedback from people. My text messages and emails have been pretty positive. People have enjoyed yeah, the thing we've been able to set up. So if you've got questions, make sure you reach out to us. Give Braden a, uh, an email at braden at gnorealty.com or me, Chuck, chuck at gnorealty.com. You could also give us a call. Our numbers are right here below. Or, if you want to leave us a voicemail message, go to the Anchor FM page for this podcast and you can click and leave a message from your phone or computer. Uh, next week, we want to let you guys know what we'll be talking about after the offer is accepted. Braden's going to give us a little more insight on how to set those timelines in place and make sure they're adhered to, um, and, and the buyer consultation.
1: Yeah, things start moving rather quickly once you go under contract. There's a whole slew of, of timelines and deadlines that have to be met, and they they have to be met in that order and on time, and it can be kind of a whirlwind if you're not prepared for it. So we want to give you kind of a head start on those things of what to expect and so that you have the proper expectations in mind for the next time. And uh, Be sure to share, like, and subscribe to all of our videos. We'll have a lot more coming out.
0: So thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us as we all level up.